Welcome to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. Please open your hearts to hear an anointed message that will encourage and empower you to walk in the love and light of God's Word. Beloved, we are now in part three of God's prophetic timeline, His calendar of last day's events. And today I'll pick up with our study on the Feast of God, which we began on our last segment, starting with the Feast of Passover. Within the Feast of the Lord, a very vivid prophetic outline is given that first and foremost reveals a New Testament revelation, the true identification of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lord Jesus the Messiah followed by the progression of divine events that take us all the way forward to the glorious climax of His millennial reign in forever majesty and power. The Church, for the most part, has drifted away from these prophetic realities, for it has become saturated with the world and the fleeting vanities that keep it bound with earthly matters, as false teachers abound with fleshly and deadly enticements. But as we draw nearer to the Lord's coming for us in the rapture, the Holy Spirit is quickening us as His holy remnant to set our minds on things above and not on the futile things of this world. For we have been redeemed at a very great price, the precious, priceless, and sinless blood of the Lamb of God, and our citizenship is now in heaven." We will be leaving this valley of tears very soon to be forever with our Savior and King in our celestial home that He has been preparing for us. The enemy works diligently to distract us from this glorious reality through his constant taunting and accusing words and thoughts. And that is why it is important for us to be reminded that we are now the blood-bought children of God, new creations in Him, and that all of our sins, past, present, and future, have been washed away with that cleansing flow by the Passover Lamb of God, who was sacrificed and died so that we could live. Please stop for a moment and let that resonate within your spirit, beloved, and allow it to permeate every thought, feeling, and emotion. For if we will truly take hold of it, the divine reality of that love-filled endowment will provide strength and conquering salvation power to keep us secure and victorious through all the many trials and tribulations that we are now encountering in this very critical time in the earth. And in light of that grace-filled encouragement and as we return to today's message, allow me to expound a bit on the dramatic and illuminating types and symbols that are evidenced in the Feast of Passover. And then we'll move on to the feasts which follow, beginning with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And remember that although the Feast of God were given primarily to the children of Israel as a forever ordinance— they are very pertinent to us as Gentile believers as well. For not only have we been grafted into the commonwealth of Israel, but we are the privileged, born-again children of God who have been granted revelation and sacred oneness recognition of the one who has already fulfilled the first four of these holy feasts 
and who will bring to fulfillment with the same precise perfection, the last three and very soon. But even in light of this proven and scripturally established truth, the majority of the children of Israel are still blinded from their true Messiah, who they are still awaiting, when in glorious reality He has already come. The first time as a suffering servant to pay for sin's penalty of death, and who will come again in victorious and majestic power as the King of kings and Lord of lords, with his raptured saints following him on white horses. And he will keep every promise that he has made to Israel as his covenant people, who will finally have their eyes opened to see Jesus the Messiah that they have longed for. And in order to grant further understanding of the deep meaning and revelation of Yeshua HaMashiach that is held within the Feast of God, beginning with Passover, that Israel has been unable to recognize thus far. In a Blue Letter Bible commentary, we learn that the Passover feast had its origin in Egypt. It was to be a memorial of the redemption and deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt. It was to them the beginning of months and their birth as a nation, as recorded in Exodus 12:2. It consisted of the taking of a male lamb of the first year, without spot or blemish, a lamb for a family, which was to be killed on the fourteenth day of the month of Nisan in the evening. We are reminded that Jesus Christ was crucified at twilight on the fourteenth day of Nisan. Its blood was then to be sprinkled with hyssop and applied to the two side posts and upper lintel of the door to their houses. And if I may add here, it is important to understand that the Lord God does everything to perfection and he is very specific with every detail that he initiates in attaining to that exact excellence. How many times have we read that account in the book of Exodus, not giving much thought to why the blood was to be applied with hyssop, when in actuality it holds much import in God's divine revelations? Gleaning from a commentary written for Bible study tools, we learn that hyssop is an herb that is native to the Mediterranean regions and is mentioned several times in the Old and New Testaments in relation to the process of being cleansed. The Bible reveals many promises that God has made about renewing us in heart, spirit, and mind, in glorious salvation power which has been accomplished in the blood atonement sacrifice of Jesus Christ the Lord. In Scripture, hyssop is connected to this truth in both a literal and symbolic way. Some of the places in the Bible that it is mentioned with cleansing connection are Exodus 12.22, Leviticus 14.4, 4, Leviticus 14.52, Numbers 19.29-30, and Psalm 51.10. Passages about hyssop in the Old Testament are connected to the blood of animal sacrifices, representing God's compassion on His people and how He is willing to reach down to save and heal us, and being a foretype of the blood of Jesus. In the example of Psalm 51, David knew that he needed spiritual renewal, for his sins had been so grievous covetousness, adultery, and murder, to name just three. 
he realized that this kind of ritual cleansing cannot be done by human hands, for it was much more intimate than just an outward washing or sprinkling. Rather, it is a work done within the heart. In verses 7 to 8 and 10 to 11 of Psalm 51, David cries out to the Lord, saying, Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me. Once David understood how he had sinned against the Lord, he longed for a chance to reconcile with him by way of his forgiveness and mercy. Hyssop was part of an image of hope for David and a symbol of God's grace. The hyssop plant symbolizes the application of God's grace for us as well, to be washed clean of all our sins, which, in glorious salvation reality, took place at the moment we bowed our knee in humble and sincere repentance and put our full trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ that he offered up on our behalf. And we now have the promise that that blood of Jesus speaks vindication for us with its cleansing power when we stumble, fall, and fail, and the enemy comes violently against us with railings of guilty. It is also a reminder that our Savior uses everything, including our missteps and mistakes, in His sanctifying and perfecting work in us and for His glory. As Jesus was hanging on the cross near death, we see the hyssop used in its final and most heart-stirring symbolism. Mary Magdalene and the Apostle John were among those who remained with him when Jesus said, I am thirsty. And someone lifted up a vinegar-soaked sponge to him on a stalk of hyssop. John wrote that, after Jesus drank, he said, It is finished, and died which worshipfully brings us back to the Passover feast and its sacred symbolism. The shedding of the blood of Jesus on Calvary and our applying it to our hearts by faith has the same saving effect unto eternal life as the applying of the Passover lamb's blood on the doorpost of the Israelites' dwellings in Egypt had to the physical safety of those who were sheltered within and kept from death. As that night in continued and glorious symbolism was the beginning of months to them, the moment a man or woman accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, they become born again from above, and a new life begins. For Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us, granting us that new and sanctified beginning, as the Holy Spirit confirms through Paul in 1 Corinthians 5.7. We then come to the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which began on the day after Passover and continued for seven days. And again we see God's divine number, seven. The Lamb was slain on the fourteenth day of Nisan at sunset, which ended the day. The Feast of Unleavened Bread then began immediately after sunset, which was the beginning of the fifteenth day. Thus there was no interval between them. As the Passover is a type of the death of Christ, so the Feast of Unleavened Bread is a type and symbol of Jesus, the Bread of Life. And as the spotless Lamb of God, who was tempted in all things and yet did not sin, 
and it is also representative of the walk of the believer, who as Jesus is holy, so are we to be holy in all our behavior. There should be no interval between a person's salvation and entrance into a holy life and walk with Jesus. The seven days points to the perfection and completion of the salvation miracle that took place in their former dead and spirit and represents the whole course of the believer's life after conversion. Leaven in the scriptures is a type of evil, so the feast was to be kept with unleavened bread. Paul speaks of malice and wickedness as leaven, where he writes in 1 Corinthians 5, 7 to 8, Clean out the old leaven, so that you may be a new lump, just as you are, in fact, unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. The takeaway in the teaching of the Feast of Unleavened Bread is that having been saved by the shed blood of Christ, our Passover, we are to walk in newness of life, daily purging out the leaven of worldliness and the idols that take our devotion away from Jesus, who alone is worthy of all our desire, worship, and obedience. The next feast that followed is the Feast of First Fruits, which I'll begin to address in our next segment. Until then, I leave you with Hebrews ten nineteen to 25 Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed clean with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And as always, beloved, I bid you his agape. You've been listening to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. If you have a prayer request, please contact us at Agape Light Ministries, P.O. Box 6313, Chesterfield, Missouri, 63006, or via our website at www.agapelightministries.com. Again, that's www.agapelightministries.com.